This is an RNZ podcast. At the end of last year, there was upheaval at our biggest publisher of papers, Stuff, over a plan to cut the number of reporters at the company's long-standing local dailies around the country and instead cover local stories with staff centred in other regional or even metropolitan newsrooms. The Taranaki Daily News and the Southland Times would keep just four reporters each, and the Nelson Mail lost some of its key local news reporters, even though Stuff had said it planned to keep local journalists with lots of experience in those places. One who's also left since then is Logan Savory, a former long-serving reporter at the Invercargill-based Southland Times, and before that at the Otago Daily Times. And after nearly two decades, he's gone but not to pastures new, still in Vicargill, and he's still doing Southland news for the Southland Tribune. Now that sounds like another rival newspaper, but it isn't. It's an online newsletter on the subscriber platform Substack, which was set up a decade ago by another son of the South, Hamish McKenzie, along with some colleagues in Silicon Valley. So why then did long-serving Logan Savory leave the established local daily to go solo online? It was time for a change. But yet I still love my job, so this was just um, about trying to see if there was something a little bit different um, out there that I could create, and who knows um, where it might lead to, but I just got to the point where I was willing to at least give it a go. It's, it's a hard business now, local and regional papers, even if you belong to one of the big chains such as the Southland Times does. And recently we know they've had a kind of regional reporting rejig. Was that reorganisation one of the reasons that you wanted to take on your own project? Um, it certainly wasn't the sole reason behind it, but I'd be lying to say if it didn't maybe give me a, a push um, when I was thinking about it. Look, I've been involved sort of for a couple of decades and it's been a huge restructuring right throughout that. And that isn't a slight on anyone because we're in an industry which is pretty tough, particularly for regional journalism. Um, you know, newspaper subscribers naturally declining um, and at the same time newsprint costs are going up. So it, it, it certainly wasn't the sole reason, but it just got me thinking a bit more about whether we can come up with another potential model that can serve our, the community on maybe a lower overheads than maybe some of the bigger uh, organisations uh, have to operate with. Well, you clearly still uh, love your region, Southland. You've, you've said in the uh, launch edition, we live in New Zealand's shit-hottest region, and the Tribune <laughs> will ensure that's celebrated. But you also said, this was interesting, you said we won't cover everything that moves in Southland. If there's a two-car crash on the corner of Tay Street and Kelvin Street, that's in Invercargill, uh, you won't read about it through, through the Tribune. We're not here to compete with existing daily media outlets. But you kind of are, though, aren't you? Because if there's a good colourful story in Southland, like, for example, uh, you had Sasha Bond, the world record-breaking cheering contractor. You did a great feature on her for the, the Tribune. You, you sort of will be wanting to scoop or at times better the local paper you used to work for? I guess the point is I'm just not we're not trying to replicate what the Southland Times or Otago Daily Times does. Just trying to do things a wee bit differently and with the focus on some of those profile yarns as well as sort of shining a light on business and whatnot. But also getting uh, serious when we need to. I, I suppose the comment about the, the two car crash is that that sort of stuff is still widely covered anyway. So I don't see the benefit in fourth organisation coming in and doing exactly the same at this point in time anyway. So what sort of things do you think you might do differently that you probably couldn't have done at the Times or previously at, at the Otago Daily Times when you worked there out of Invercargill? 
just that real sort of parochial stuff around Southland is doing well. Putting a real focus on good profile yarns, some historical pieces may may not have, have written when I was previously in a you know as an example one of the first articles I, I did it was a, a, on a nightclub that closed down years ago in, in Vicago and it was quite infamous, infamous down here and and then it turned into a um, a school of well gifted uh, kids which was quite interesting <laughs> and I and I put that together and it got a re- really well received and um, maybe that's a sort of story I probably might not have written for some of the other papers. Yeah, I like one of yours, which was a, a review of uh, three cafes and restaurants lunchtime offerings. Yeah. That's the sort of story I guess you can assign yourself when you're your own boss and your own editor. You know, you could uh, go out and eat three lunches and pretend it's work. <laughs> so, sort of, yeah, yeah. It was over a, over a period, but you're, you're right. Though, those sort of things may not appear in Southland Times or Otago Daily Times. But again, that was something that was quite well received. And I'm working with a bit of a blank canvas, so it's it's trialling what you know people are interested in, but also at the same time making sure that the journalism qualities that you'd expect, balance, fair, and and whatnot, are still there, whatever style we're writing in. But you also clearly have other ambitions for this, because for example, um, fair bunch of sports stories and sports was one of your specialities. We know that down the years, regional um, sports desks were were cut back a lot and also the page space for that sort of local sport grassroots coverage. Uh, you also said you'll be keeping an eye on council happenings. Mm. So I was actually the council reporter at the Southern Times before I departed. Um, so I had a natural interest in, in that anyway. And I think that it's a real important part if you're going to be a local publication. I think you have a um, an expectation of the community that you're keeping an eye on, on that sort of stuff. You know, I keep an eye on pretty much every council meeting, but uh, in the past I would certainly write a story from every council meeting, where at the moment I'm just keeping an eye on, on where, where things arise or um, a story that might be worth a wee bit more um, delving into. A big part of a community publication is that you are having a look at those people that are in charge of your city. Now you're online on Substack. So with another son of the South, I guess we could call him Hamish McKenzie. I guess the Substack... The, the benefit of is the technology that's attached to it and the systems you know, right from the actual writing software through to the payment uh, links, everything there. If I had to set that up myself, I'm probably doing all right out of it um, given the, the software that I have available and everything, the operation a little bit better. Well, that, that's good because, I mean, there are other journalists who've used the platform. So, But often they've got a specialism. Say, for example, Bernard Hickey now using it as his main tool to communicate uh, with the, his growing uh, list of subscribers. But he's writing about national issues, you know, the political mm. economy and so on. I think you're the first one I've seen who's actually trying to do, you know, hyper-local, as they like to call it, news. And there was always a hope that the internet might be great for that, but the model couldn't be found. So, But it's going to be tough, isn't it? Because it really will be just local people online who will be able to find you and might be willing to contribute and subscribe. There is actually examples. Uh, you're right, in New Zealand, probably the, f- the first to, to set up a local uh, platform through Substack. Um, there is examples in Australia, one in particular, Murray Bridge News, who really caters for a population of about twenty to 25,000 people. And I talked to him about it before I had a go. But he has um, been able to, to get to the point where his operation after a couple of years is sustainable um, through paid subscribers locally, um, as well as some commercial 
um, partnerships as well. So there is examples in Australia where it has worked. I have no doubt that it's, it, it is tough when you're operating in a market of about 100,000 people. The Murray Bridge News example, that's an even smaller community though, isn't it? Yeah, it's 20, 25,000 people <laughs> so, and he has managed to be able to make that work through a lot of hard work too though, so that's, that's uh, what's in front of me. Well, there might be other uh, local journalists in, in New Zealand who'd like to write about their region and possibly would like to do it uh, off their own bat. So it'd be, be uh, interesting to see if it works. But one thing that does puzzle me a bit um, with, say, the Murray Bridge News in South Australia, you mentioned there, yours is called the Southland Tribune. I think it's a very traditional sounding uh, newspaper masthead mm-hmm. sort of titles. Was it not tempting now that you're going online only to have some highly individual name? based all, all around you or did you actually want to you know have that feel of a news operation that, that sounded like it had been around since uh, 1866 or something like that yeah that's interesting I sort of toyed with that for quite a while um I think the reason why we ended up going with that um is um to ensure that there is well, I feel like there is that journalism um standards about it and the fact that um, it's not just a community blog, there is someone behind it that is based on the principles of journalism and uh, a few people have been puzzled by it but we're underway and um, you know I think it's a good fit for what we're trying to do. What would you count as success? Is there a certain number of subscribers or do you want to at least make a, a living even if it's modest off it or will you be happy just if the stories are being read and shared and you know even if people down the track don't actually make that jump of paying to subscribe? Oh, I'm certainly in it to try um, you know, make a living off it, obviously. It's not a hobby. Uh, well, um, So I need, obviously, some, some paying subscribers. Um, and at the moment, we're just in the growth phase. So uh, everything and the content's free, but it's been very encouraging that, obviously, the, the people that have signed up to, to date, and it's probably mean a few more than I, I thought initially, are obviously doing it because they're backing what we're trying to do. Um, down the track, when we put some paywall stories in there um, and that'll be up to me to produce those stories that people are willing to, to, to pay for um, uh, also and amongst that some some commercial uh, partnerships with some of our sections and hopefully from that we can make a sustainable model where yes I can um, continue to make a living from this industry but I'm not naive to, to think that it's going to be it's going to be tough. It was Logan Savory, a former stalwart at the Southland Times, who's now doing Southland News solo in the Southland Tribune, his own online newsletter for subscribers on the platform Substack.